0: Welcome to the W-2 Prison Break Show, a podcast and YouTube series hosted by real estate investor, author, and coach Brian O'Neill. Tune in each week as we interview business owners who have successfully planned and executed their W-2 Prison Break. You'll hear their stories, learn about their challenges, and what ultimately pushed them over the edge and gave them the courage to break free. Most importantly, you'll discover they are not much different than you. Listen in each week as we give you useful insights and action items to start your W-2 Prison Break and get you on the path you were always meant to be on. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the W-2 Prison Break show. So happy that you're tuning in every week to support our mission to inspire and educate million people to quit their W-2 jobs and pursue the life of their dreams. Today, I've brought on an excellent guest. I know I say all my guests are excellent, but this is really going to be a great interview. Chris Staffelt is our guest today, and he's the founder of The Life Edge, which is the number one search engine for online courses, coaches, and mentors. Really cool stuff that we're going to be talking about today with his business. But his W-2 prison break story is really phenomenal because he was in a job and he knew for a long time that that wasn't his calling, like he was stuck. You're going to hear how he got out, what the challenges and blocks were, very common to a lot of us, Mm -hmm. me as well. And you're going to hear how he was able to use mentors and coaches and Making some daily changes in his life, not drastic, just habits, accountability to be able to break free and start his own business. And now he's a pretty darn happy guy. So I really hope you enjoy the show. And again, thank you for tuning in each and every week. Chris, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you on and look forward to speaking with you today.
1: Brian, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, excellent. And we were talking, we were chatting just a little bit. Offline, I'm really excited about what we're going to be discussing today, online courses. And that's really what led you to, I'm going to let you tell the story, but we were talking a little bit offline. That That's what led you to break free from your W-2 job that you had. So I want to talk about, I want you to talk about that, like what you were doing before, Mm -hmm. you know, you got into, into an entrepreneur and just, you know, tell that story. Like, you know, how were you stuck? You know, what were you feeling in the corporate world? And ultimately, like, let's talk about how
1: you were able to break out. Yeah. So to start off, I was an average person in high school. I had goals and aspirations of what I want to do for college. I just didn't try very hard in high school and kind of disappointed my parents a little bit. They knew I was intelligent and I just wasn't using my skills to the best of their ability. So coming out of high school, I didn't want to go into a junior college. I didn't have the credits and stuff to get into a good university. And so trade school was where I ended up. And I learned how... In nine months, I went to school, shipped me off. I went to school, learned how to weld. And I was a metal fabricator by trade. And so right out of school, I was ambitious enough to find myself a job right out of school. This was getting ready to go. This would have been 2006, getting ready to go into the big financial crisis we all know about. And so I found myself a job, did custom car fabrication for a couple of years and realized I quickly moved up, advanced my skills, and realized I didn't want to be chasing a paycheck for the rest of my life because that was just very cyclical, very seasonal. When people have money, they like to spend it on luxuries like custom car modifications. When they don't have money, the work dries up. And so I needed something a little more solid after a couple of years of that to try and build a family on. And so I went the manufacturing route. I went and I found a small company that was in need of a welder. And I had to take a huge pay cut. And I was the first welder they hired on to this new growing manufacturing company. And this would have been 2008, end of 2008, beginning of 2009. So in need of just a job at the time, I just needed some money and needed some income. And I spent 10 years there and grew with the company. The company grew into an amazing manufacturing company. I got to see a small business turn into in the corporate world, it would still be considered a small business. But in more of the private sector, it went from being a small mom and pop to they did it. They achieved the American dream and they're still a thriving company now. They just did a huge acquisition of another company that I know of and they're growing and they're still still doing fantastic. Well, I had kind of gotten to a point where I was capped out in that company The only person above me was the general manager and the only person above him was the owners. So knowing that the general manager was probably a lifer and for a good reason. I mean, it was a great job for him and they pay really well. Hmm. I didn't have any more upward mobility. Sure, I would get a few raises and some things, but at the time I was 27, 28 years old thinking, is this how I'm going to spend the next 30 to 35 years of my life? Is this what it looks like? Because I can predict it i was always been good at math and i just saw this linear path of where i was going to be 30 years from now and i was unhappy i was coming home from work just disgruntled and knew that this was not how i wanted to live the rest of my life that i had a whole lot more to offer the world and i had to make a change and that's when i started seeking information I turned to audiobooks i turned to podcasts i was really just trying to find myself again and i allowed myself to get into this position of if you were 18 again fresh out of high school what would you want to do what does the world look like it's your oyster at that point you get to go decide whatever it is you want to do and so i was considering everything i was looking at a lawyer doctors that was doing ride-alongs with the police department fire department Considering military, I was just kind of considering every option. Now, I was making good money and I had a great job and great benefits. But my wife, when I'd get home from work, she's like, You're unhappy. You're miserable. And if you don't leave this job, we're not going to end up together. Like, that's where this is heading. And so, wow. when, when she kind of said that, I was like, All right, I, I really need to make a shift now. And so I set myself a deadline by the end of 2018, I was going to be. Completely out. And I had even tried, I had tried going back to college and seeing if I could get a different degree. At one point, I wanted to be a chartered financial analyst and work for the banks. And I did some shadowing with some people who had that job. And I was like, this seems interesting. And I was always, at that point, I had really shifted my mindset from how do I exchange my time for money? And how do I let money make me more money so that I can live a more quit exchanging my time for money and then let money make money for me so I can live a more free, adventurous life and provide for my family in that way? Awesome. And, awesome.
0: Yeah, I love it. I just, I don't mean to interrupt you. That I don't no, interrupt yeah, you. That there's a lot to unpack and we're going to keep going because this story is tremendous. Just a few things to unpack there, Chris, would be how long the question i have is you were at this company for 10 mm. years right and you got almost to the top right like you you would have to buy the company to really see yeah. you know a long future from the time that you realized that and then you started looking at other things because this is interesting because i did the same thing for a lot of years i mm. looked at all these different areas of interest how long did it take you before you actually landed on one? Like, how long were you in that education phase of the audiobooks and the podcast and the YouTube videos and the consumption? Yeah,
1: it was probably a solid two years. 2016 was where I made the shift. Mm-hmm. And I actually, in 2016, I started dabbling in the stock market and trading and investing. And so from 2000 to 16 is when I started consuming books. I told myself I was going to read one self-help or information book per week. So I started reading a book per week. I was consuming three to five podcasts per week, and then three to five YouTube long form educational YouTube videos per week. And I really okay. just took myself through my own educational system at that point.
0: Awesome. Okay. Now that what was the diff? Was it this conversation that you had with your wife that really kind of pushed you over the Education mode and just starting to take some action, or was it something else?
1: It was a bit of my wife, but I've always had mentors in my life. That's been, I've had a lot of really good people influence my life through my upbringing. And when I moved back to, because I had traveled around with the fabrication jobs, but when I moved back to where I grew up in Arizona, I reached back out to one of my mentors and I was like, Hey, I really need some help and I'm a bit lost right now. Would you be willing to? work with me. And so for about five years, him and I were meeting once a week before I'd go to work. And I owe a lot of where I am today to him because I called him up and talked to him in a couple of years. And I was like, Hey, I need you to meet me at Starbucks at four 30 in the morning. I got some stuff to unpack. And so a lot of it came from him.
0: Awesome. Awesome that you had that. And I mean, this is someone that you knew mm-hmm. and you just reached out to him and asked for help and he gave you his help. I assume he,
1: he did it free of charge. Yep. He met me. I bought him coffee. I had to buy his coffee every, in breakfast. I didn't have to. He just allowed me to, and yeah. ended up, he was the one who married my wife and I, and him and I are still friends today. I had a great conversation with him the other day, so. Awesome. Good stuff.
0: So how did he help you, Chris, get to the point where you're at now? She's doing some awesome stuff right now. Obviously, you're not in that job anymore. Talk about your transition and how you landed on what you landed on.
1: So he was the one who has just kept encouraging me to explore and to really challenge the scarcity mindset that i was living in back then i felt that had i that i had golden handcuffs on in a sense that if i left my job my wife and i weren't gonna be able to survive that was the internal conversation i was having with myself and he really helped me overcome that and break through that to allow allow myself to start thinking it's okay to go back to the beginning. You're still plenty young enough. You've got plenty of time, a complete reset or start over, which I was technically I wasn't starting over because I didn't realize the amount of skills and knowledge I had learned by witnessing a company grow and succeed over those 10 years that now today I'm so grateful for because they've allowed me to use that knowledge to grow my business faster and do things in a new way and avoid a lot of the mistakes I got to witness them make.
0: Mm. Awesome. I love the golden handcuffs thing. I've never heard that before. Mm. That's a really great analogy. Do you think that, I'm curious, because you said you were young enough. I think you might've said you were 27. So you're before earlier than 30. Do you think if you were older that it might've been more challenging, maybe if you're in your 30s or your 40s, that you would've felt even more stuck?
1: I think had I tried to do that same transition now, like even today, and not had the mental growth that I have, I wouldn't have made the leap. I don't think I would have necessarily been able to make it.
0: Okay. Yeah, because there's a lot of folks who are, you know, I was in my 40s before I left my job. It took me a Mm. long, long time, right? The longer you stay, like the harder it is, I think, because you just get, you know, you just get programmed. You know, that scarcity mindset and like, oh, if I leave, I'm never going to be able to pay my bills or no one's going to hire me or I don't have, and you said it. You realize you recognize that you have developed this skill over the ten years that you were with the company, watching it grow. you went through you know certain levels of, of management. And I'm assuming that's ultimately what you started to share in your new business. I might be making a guess here, but you know I'm really curious as to you, that five year period with your mentor, like, okay, what was the moment or what was the day that he said, okay, I'm gonna do this now. I'm not, we're we're done talking about it. I'm gonna make my own mark
1: it was the mentor in the sense. And he got to a a point where he was like, these aren't the exact words, but you'll get where we're at. But he was like, you need to crap or get off the pot. Like we've been having this converse, same conversation now for about a year. Hmm. And it's either time you take action or we stop meeting. And I'll pair that with my wife saying, Hey, if you don't make a change, we're not going to make it through this. That was enough motivation to be like, okay, we're going to figure something out.
0: Yep. Super important. All right. So what did you do? What did you have to do, Chris?
1: That was a, I walked in, I got home that day from my, and I told my wife, hey, I was meeting with Matt this morning. This is what we came across. Then she was like, thank goodness, because this has got to happen. And so at that point I was leaning towards, I was in night class at the college, mm-hmm. going to school to get my CFA. And that was kind of a funky thing. I had studied to take the first phase of the test, not knowing that you had to have, cause I never, I went to trade school. I never finished and got a degree. We well, have to have any kind of degree in order to take the test. Right. Even though I had the knowledge to take the test and pass it, I couldn't because I didn't have a bachelor's degree. And so mm-hmm. I had already started the things in work to to go to school and get a degree but at the time i was also day trading and i was making these swing trades throughout the week and i was generating income and my wife was like hey why don't you just we're doing fine financially why don't you and over those two years i had to prepare myself financially for the shift that was part of the reason it took two years was making sure that we could withstand if i went out and flopped for a year or two that financially, we would be all right. It wasn't just a emotional, I hate what's going on, I'm out of here. It was, we took time to plan it out and prepare the transition. And she looked at me and she said, hey, we're ready. Why don't you just school full-time? And then there was some online trading courses to move from like a swing trading methodology more into a day trading, where I was actively making income daily. Yep. She said, hey, why don't you take some one of those courses that you talked about, that you've showed me, And let's kind of lean into that a little bit. And so initially that was the jump. I left the company I was at. I went, was doing school during the day. I was trading in the mornings, going through this course at night and just really trying to figure out this day trading thing, the stock market thing, and really trying to just kind of figure out what it was I wanted to do. The day trading aligned with wanting to be a CFA and... So initially that was the path I was going on until I got to a point and I realized, shoot, if I go become a CFA, I'm gonna have to spend 10 years at a bank working from the bottom to get to where I was at when I just left the company I was at. And is that really how I wanna spend the rest of my life? And I felt like I was back in the same conundrum, I just hadn't invested the 10 years yet. And I didn't wanna pigeonhole myself And so I started making money with the day trading thing, and we just kind of leaned on that for the longest time. And that was really when things shifted that you don't necessarily need a job to be, to make money and not make money because we're not the fed, we don't make money, but to earn an income, to provide for your family, so.
0: Absolutely, well, if you did make money, I'd like that, I'd be coming over to your house. (laughs) Um, So I love the fact that you prepared for your exit, for your break, right? Mm -hmm. Two years, you had a nice runway. I think, and I'm sure that two years, you know, a lot of the times we want, like we hate our lives, we hate our jobs or we just really want out, but we don't, we're not willing to sacrifice for a couple of years or however long it's going to take to do what you did. Right. Also your wife is pretty intelligent. I got to say, it sounds like you got a good woman there. She really pushed you. That's important to have, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So you're doing day trading and then At what point did you, are you still involved with day training? I know you, you know, we're going to talk about your business here, life edge, but let's talk about the online courses that you eventually got into and how did you have all this knowledge? So, you know, how did that spawn into what you're doing now?
1: So one thing I do want to mention when I finally made the mental shift to say, okay, I'm allowing myself to work the process, to move on from this company, this position, this W2 position, Mm -hmm. When I allowed myself to think, hey, I'm going to make this transition, there was like a renovate, like my spirit was renewed because I had hope again, like this wasn't the end anymore. And that's really what allowed me to get through that two-year process was knowing that there was an end in sight and there was going to be a transition. But so back into your question about the day trading and shifting. So I day traded, I started using courses and the initial course I bought was at the time, it was a lot of money for me. It was, I spent, I think the first year, I spent like five grand on the course then another $3,000 on software. And I was, when you don't have an income, you're like, initially that seems like a lot of money. And so by the time it was all said and done, I think I was like 10 grand in the course. And I had learned a lot, but then I realized as I was learning and getting more involved in that industry, in that sector, there was this other guy over here who offered another course. It was a quarter of the price that I ended up paying for, anyways, that I learned more from and was successful with that I didn't even know existed. Yet I had spent a good year and a half vetting the course and searching for courses before I even purchased the ten thousand dollar one that I did. Right. And I had this thought in my head like, well, I actively for a year was trying to find this guy. that was cheaper and a better teacher for me, and I couldn't find them. And it's not like I don't know how to use Google. I'm an expert at Google. In trading, you have to be good at research. And so I became an expert at research and I couldn't find this guy. And so I I started thinking to myself, hey, how many other people have this same issue that they're, they're spending money and they're trying to get the most out of this product, which may be good for them, but there may be a better product out here that somebody else offers in the same field, the same industry that would be a better match for what they're doing, but they just don't know it exists. And that was initially when the spark for the life edge came to fruition. I just I needed another year or two to kind of figure out, this would have been like two, that halfway through 2018. Going into 2019, trading started getting really good. 2019, 2020, we had the craziest bull run in the stock market that we've seen in a long time low float stocks and stuff were just going off the the wall. You'd get 1000% gainers in a day. And there was a lot of money to be made. And in the middle of 2020, making all these great trades, I realized this isn't gonna last. Mm -hmm. This is gonna get really tough. And literally like a switch, the beginning of 2021, the way that I traded and what I was doing just shut off, just stopped. Luckily for me, I had an epiphany one day and I thought, I'm going to build a website. I'm going to do something to where I want to help people. That was a grind that I've had kind of my whole life in the welding job, even in the day trading was I've always wanted to do something that impacted the world, that helped people. And the managing the manufacturing company, it was great, but we weren't really helping people like there wasn't like a major cause or mission that we were fighting for. When you're day trading, it's a selfish proposition. You're earning money for yourself for the most part. Yes, we give the charity and we do a lot of things like that, but I wanted to leave something that's gonna truly leave a mark on the world. And I didn't wanna build a course. I didn't want to become an influencer or anything like that. I was, And I couldn't figure out how to put all the pieces together until one day I had this epiphany. I'm gonna build a site that lists all these courses in one easy to use location where people can avoid the noise of Google ads, Facebook ads, and actually find the courses that best fit their learning personality. And that would have been in 2019. That's when the Life Edge was born. And then I've slowly just poured into it and poured into it. And then at the beginning of this year, I moved full-time into promoting it and growing it. And here we are today. Awesome. By the way, I got a chuckle out of when you said the
0: grind that you had and you're a welder. So that's,
1: you know, that's.
0: Pretty- <laughs> I did catch that, by the way. You know, your mission super important. And, you know, you hear a lot of entrepreneurs talk about, hey, I want to help people, you know, and, and you start to think it sounds corny or like made up. Like, that's just what people say. But it's the truth. I mean, you talk to mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, they do have this, you know, you feel like you have this call like you're being pulled in a certain direction. To help people, you had a personal experience with your online courses. Like, hey, it took me a year and a half to find this guy. Nobody else should have to go through what I went through. Yeah. You know, and you developed a business around that. So you solved your problem. And you're saying, hey, there's probably other people who have the same problem. I guarantee you that there is. With my business as well, you know, it took me. Couple decades to quit my job, and I learned a lot. And there's no reason anybody else has to go through what I went through in terms of like the mindset and being stuck. So, mm-hmm. look. A lot of the times, you can look at, you can just look within yourself if you're trying to find ideas for a business or a way out of your job. You don't really have to look any further, and get distracted by like by you said by Google Ads, Facebook Ads. It's like, oh hey, I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. Like just take a minute and figure out what it is that you want to do or what lights you up or what you're good at. So I just wanted to share that. That was awesome on your mission. All right. So life edge talk about like the tactical side of it, like how you get, how someone gets to the right course. And then, cause you gave me a little bit of that offline. Mm-hmm. I just want you to re give that to the audience. I think it's super helpful. I had no idea that something like this even existed.
1: Mm-hmm. So, With the Life Edge, my goal was really trying to give the power back to the user. There's Facebook, Google, they have a lot more influence. Their marketing has a lot more influence on us than we actually understand. And there's a few small bits and pieces kind of left out of my story. At one point, I had started a digital marketing business while I was still working at that manufacturing company. I was working for a magazine, doing some marketing for them. And I learned some of the dark side, I guess you could say, of Facebook and Google ads and how, especially today, like four or five years later from when I was doing that, how much they can truly influence us and how much we're subconsciously purchasing things based on somebody's ad strategy or marketing strategy versus on a conscious decision of us saying, hey, I really want this. And... I wanted to give the power back to the user in the sense where it's just a list when you type in when you go to the life edge and you type in whatever course you're looking for, whether that's singing guitar lessons, real estate investing, whatever it is, you're getting an unbiased list that is organized randomly every time that page reloads is randomly organized so that there's not one person at the top of that list every time that's getting all the first hits from people coming through and you as the user are allowed to choose the course and coach or mentor that is best for you you get to spend some time reading through, learning about them. You can check out, there's links to their social media. There's a little video. We're doing podcasts with these people, which we're gonna start putting all their, if we've recorded a podcast with them, you'll be able to listen to that podcast. And we're gonna start doing channel reviews in the sense, not a channel review, but a course walkthrough, where if, if you purchase their course, this is the content that you're getting. This is the format, this is the layout, this is how you use it. We really want to empower the user as much as possible to make the most informed decision, not a decision based on how many times an ad has triggered in their peripheral. They didn't realize they've seen that ad 30 times, and then they finally click on it and end up in a sale thinking, oh, this is what I wanna do now. And they purchase a wholesale real estate course when they're really trying to learn how to do multifamily investing, which are two, they're both real estate, but they're two very different things.
0: I love it. Completely agree. And I probably would be frightened if you expanded more on the advertising part. <laughs> I'm already nervous. But yeah, it's true. You're you're basically, instead of scrolling through your Instagram or Facebook you know, feed or whatever, you're going to your site, LifeEdge. It's LifeEdge.com, correct?
1: Yep. The LifeEdge.com. You type that in Google, it'll pull up or the search bar or the URL bar at the top
0: the dot com, and then you have control like hey i'm looking this is what i'm looking for i mm-hmm. want to do i want to learn how to wholesale or i want to learn how to day trade or i want to learn how to you know cook whatever it is i'm sure you know and then you have the ability to scroll through and see what pops off versus like you said it's the same person 30 times over how many ever days yeah. and then you make a buying decision based on that so i and love go ahead someone. sorry
1: We're really trying to pair it also with homeschooling. We found that a lot of parents of homeschoolers can use the courses to integrate it into their homeschooling Mm -hmm. and start teaching their children real world valuable skills at a young age. Some of these coding courses, they're good for children starting out at like the age of five or six. Now, if you start a child off learning how to code, but at five, six, seven years old, or how do you make a YouTube channel because now kids want to be YouTubers, professional gamers, Instagram influencers, these jobs that just didn't even really exist 10 to 15 years ago. What happens when they're 17, 18, and they've spent the last 10, 12 years becoming an expert in that by the time that their peers are even getting out of high school, they could have their own business going. They could be making a full-time income, and you could really set your child up for an amazing future.
0: I agree completely. I love it. Where did the name come from?
1: So it's a play on a trading term. In the trading world, in a sense, you're always, or even a gambling term at the casino, you're always looking for that edge, right? You wanna get an edge on the casino or you want an edge on the market. And so the name was a mix of, well, we have, we're all living this thing we called life and you're trying to get an edge in life. And so the life edge is the place where you can go to find your edge in life, or you can even sharpen your edge in life if you've already, if you're doing something and you're succeeding, but you want to become better at whatever it is, you could take it a course to advance your skills even more. And so that it was really just kind of a play on the term of really trying to find your edge, what's going to make you succeed in your version of success in life.
0: Awesome. I love it. Great explanation. So one thing I forgot to ask you earlier was you're obviously no longer at the manufacturing company. You left that job. So congrats. I kind of passed over that, but describe what that situation was like, like when you ended up leaving, right? You ended up resigning, Mm -hmm. you know, what were you feeling? Was there any anxiety and how did it actually go once you did do it?
1: Yeah. So that was leading up to it. I was super anxious. And I had a lot of fears and worries. I mean, when you start with a company that at the time, the company had a, the people I hired on with, they had a mechanic shop. So they've had this business that had just kind of existed for a long time. And then they brought on this, the owner had invented this new part that needed welding. And that's where I came in. And so I had grown from basically the infancy of this company to where it was at, where the owners are set for life and they're doing their thing and everything's great. And, but you become a family too. When you start out and there's only five employees and then there's six employees and then seven. And and when I left, I think there was 27 employees, Mm -hmm. but I still knew everyone. And I had spent years working with these people. So I was, I almost felt like I was letting everyone down by leaving. And I did knowing that I was leaving, I was doing the my absolute best at the time to try and and train my replacement, somebody that could really fill the gap that I was leaving. And honestly, I was terrified initially to go in and tell the owner. He had always said, hey, you're not a regular employee. Two weeks is not enough. If you're going to quit, please do the respect and give me at least a month. And so knowing... And my perspective had changed to, I've been able to live the 10 years that I have and provide for my wife's education and do the things that we've done because you gave me the opportunity to work for you. And so I wanted to show the same respect for him. So I went in, I gave him three months. I was like, hey, I'm burnout. This is where I'm at. I need to go out. I need to do this on my own. And I really need to just see what I'm made of and what I'm worth. And he looked at me and he said, thank you for the 10 years. He's like, I'm just glad we were able to get what you, what we got out of you. And I appreciate you coming to me and letting me know and whatever it is that you do, you're going to succeed. And I was just blown away. Like I was expecting to just get read the riot act or a guilt trip and not because he's a bad guy or anything, but he's got to look out for his own. It's his business, his thing that he's doing and I was just, the leadership that he showed right there, it's another one of those things that I was able to take away, and the humility of him being able to say, hey, I appreciate the time you gave me, was just, it was amazing. He knew,
0: he knew it was inevitable, right? Mm -hmm. So, and that's great, not everybody's in that position. It's just interesting how I worked at the same company for 17 years, I had the same fears, like I was scared to tell them, and Mm -hmm. they were like, hey, we're sad to see you go, we're happy for you. I mean, they were my friends, and You know, I couldn't go any further as well, unless I wanted to. You know, really, really trade my time for dollars and be a high level corporate, which I didn't want to do. And it was I had just built it up in my head like they're going to be so mad at me. And guess what? Life goes on. The company will survive without Chris. The company survived without Brian. There, you said they just made a major acquisition, right? So I thought they were going to like. What are these guys going to do if I leave? You know, and it's just really you're trying to make yourself feel better about potentially not doing it, right? About staying, and. Yeah, that's awesome that's i wanted to hear that i wanted to hear that story and then i assume that that was a tremendous weight lifted off your shoulders and that kind of gave you the runway to to do what you're doing now
1: yeah and honestly it was a huge weight off my shoulders but towards the end of the conversation he said hey i appreciate you giving me the heads up and you always have a position here whenever you need it we'll always take you back because you've been one of the best employees we've had and so I really set myself up to try and leave on the best terms possible. And I've even gone back. There's been times where the general managers reached out to me and he's like, Hey, Chris, we're in a bind. Is there any way I could get a day from you or a couple of days? And I've gone back twice since I've left just to really help get them out of a jam, because I still care about those people. They were like family to me. and. I'm partially responsible for the success of that business and where it got to. And so somewhat, I look at that business as an owner as well, even though I'm not getting any tangible, receiving any kind of tangibles from that. Mm -hmm. I put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into that company, and I don't want to see it fail, even though I'm not working for it anymore. Like when COVID happened and lockdowns and stuff coming out of that, they were like, we need help. And so I went and gave them two weeks to really just help because I was in a position where I could afford to do that. And since then, they're willing to help me in any way that they can. And I really left it on good terms. And it was one of the hardest things I had to do at the time. I've done some harder things since, but it was, I didn't realize how much I was going to grow in that short conversation. Like I became a completely different person when I owned it and had the conversation and made that leap and took the transition.
0: That's beautiful.
1: I love it. Great share. Appreciate
0: you being vulnerable, Chris. All right. So, you know, you mentioned in the opening of the interview that you were really unhappy. You were miserable. Like mm-hmm. you, you were potentially not going to make it into your marriage. A lot's happened since that conversation. Yeah. What is, what does life look like for you now, now that you're your own business owner? I see a big smile on your face. Number one, for those who are not watching on YouTube.
1: Yeah. And it's funny because my friends are always asking me, like, do you ever stop smiling? And I'm like, no, I just enjoy life. And life is great now. Not that it wasn't then. It was just different. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned since then, back then I was trying to do this thing called the work life balance, figure out what the work life balance is. How do I balance life and work so that I can be a happy person, blah 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 what i've learned since then is that's a fallacy there's no such thing as a work-life balance when you go to work you're not dead you're still living that's still considered life and so i had to figure out how to completely change my perspective on what it is that work is well work is a part of life and once i found something i was doing that i agreed with the purpose and the vision and not that i disagreed with what was going on it just wasn't mine and Had there been somebody out there who was doing something that their vision and their path was aligned with mine, I may not have gone the entrepreneurial route, but it is the route that I've taken. And life for me is all about enjoying it. Like to me, the meaning of life is that I live up to my fullest potential, that when I kick the bucket, I've given this world everything that I possibly could have. And I have been the best version of me possible. And this business is allowing me to do that and allowing me to show that the life edge because I truly want to help people. I used to do a lot of missions work when I was younger, and I really enjoyed that actively helping people. And so now when I'm working, I'm enjoying my life. When I'm not working, I'm enjoying my life. When I'm sleeping, and I don't sleep very much because I'm too excited to be living what life is. And so, yeah, it's a very different, very different time now
0: so awesome i wrote down a bunch of stuff here and i agree with you on work-life balance it's a bunch of nonsense work is life Mm -hmm. yeah i love that living up to your fullest potential is different for everyone right Mm -hmm. you've discovered yours and i think a lot of folks out there a lot of people listening are stuck like what am i supposed to do what am i here what am i supposed to do like this job is not it right what advice would you give for someone who maybe is in that predicament and knows that, "Hey, this is not it for me, there's something else." What advice would you give them? Like what first steps would you give that person to get to where you are now? I mean, it's not an overnight path, but you know, what's some advice you would give?
1: Yeah, I want to emphasize, this is definitely not an overnight path. Had I not gone through everything I did for the last 12, 13 years, I don't know that I'd be able to succeed where I am now because all of that was required to get here. My biggest initial shifts and really what allowed me to transition was allowing myself to be okay with making the change. I had to make the mental decision to say, I'm gonna change and it's okay. The second thing was, is I was a bit overweight. I was not eating healthy and I wasn't investing in myself and I had to start I knew that if I was going to make a change, the current habits I had were not going to be what got me to where I wanted to be. And so Mm -hmm. habits had to change. And that was a difficult process. And I solved that problem. This may not be the way that everybody can do it, but I went out and hired a personal trainer because I knew that I can't control my outcome if I can't control myself. And in the mirror, I could tell that there was a person there that wasn't able to control themselves. And so allowing myself to make the decision, getting in control of my physical body, and then making a commitment to invest in myself. And that's not just saying, the commitment part is a big deal, and I think that they could skipped over a lot. It's not just saying, oh, I'm committing to this, but it's actually holding yourself accountable to that. When I said, I'm going to read a book a week, a nonfiction informational book a week, I committed and I read and still to this day I read a non-informational book a week because of the commitment I made to myself and I can't hold commitments and promises to others if I can't start by holding the promises to myself first.
0: Okay, this is awesome. So by the way, you're crushing it today Chris Thank you for coming <laughs> on. Be okay with change. You don't hear that very often. Like mm. we all we're all afraid to change. Hey, my life is pretty safe and secure right now i hate it but it is what it is like this is what i know right so the fear of change is a big thing you got to overcome that i've heard you talk about coaching twice now your mentor and then your personal trainer like you wanted to change something you needed help it obviously wasn't working out for you the way you were trying to do it so you hired a professional you paid Mm -hmm. them they held you accountable and obviously i mean again when i watched on youtube you're not overweight so that you've solved the health and fitness problem I assume maybe you've done that in other areas of your life as well. You talked about habits, but the thing that really resonated with me, and I want you to sh- expand further on, was holding myself accountable. A lot of people have a problem with this. I've struggled mm. with holding myself accountable, which is why I go out and have accountability partners. But how do you, Chris, hold yourself accountable? Like to read the books, as an example.
1: So mine's going to get this will get a little deep. And this comes from a lot of my past, actually, in that. Like I said, I used to do a lot of mission work. So from 10 years old till I left high school, I did a lot of traveling with our church. We went to Mexico several times a year, and then eventually we stepped up our mission trips and we went and spent two weeks in Ecuador where we were in Quito, Ecuador in the capital. And then we spent a week of that in the Amazon jungle. And then eventually we ended up in South Africa. And I got to experience through that time period, I got to experience true poverty. And like people who are getting one meal a week, if they're lucky and are don't have the ability to turn on running water and have to walk a mile, two mile, three miles, four miles, just to get water that may be dirty and make them sick. And I realized it took me a couple of years later, and this was part of the shift too, as well, is that I realized no matter, in most cases, this is not everybody, but in most cases, if you live in America, you've been blessed with an opportunity. And I realized that I was given an opportunity by being born in this country. And I would feel horrible knowing that there are people out there who would literally give anything just to live in the country so if i don't take this opportunity i've been given and live up to it then i'm not just letting myself down i'm letting down and this is again this is my why my the reason i was able to stay committed and still to this day I'm committed is because i don't want to let those people down and let myself down knowing that i've been giving one of the greatest opportunities someone can be given
0: bravo that's awesome couldn't agree more and you know I think it would do a lot of people a lot of good to see that see what you've seen you know we mm. start complaining about the way our lives are you know the lack you know I talk to my son all the time it's like hey some people don't get to eat you know some people don't get to mm. eat i'm sorry you don't like your macaroni and cheese i'm making a joke here but you know yeah. people like you said people would do anything to have that right so Great share. And yeah, I could see that that's how you would hold yourself accountable. That's a tremendous why. And also something that everyone, like everyone's why is going to be different, but you have to have that reason. Yeah. Like, on the, you know, as a coach, I tell a lot of the students that I work with, I, you know, I say, hey, look, your life is going to start to change on the days where you don't want to do it, but you do it anyways. Like, I don't want to work 100%. out today. I don't want to call people. I don't, I don't want to do this, but I do it anyways. Not the days where it's like, oh, I had such a great day on the phone or I worked out. It's like, no, it's the days where you don't want to do it. Like You got to be yourself. You got to be your best regardless of circumstance. And that's when the strong why comes into play and having those accountability measures in place so that you can say, hey, no, I got to do this. There's no, I can't take off. I got to continue to push. So. I love that Chair. Really appreciate that. Chris, as we start to wrap up here, I mean, this has been just a tremendous interview. I'm so glad you came on. Give us again the website and then I'm going to ask you about some final thoughts that you have before we wrap up.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. So the website is thelifeedge.com. It's spelled a little goofy. If you just type thelifeedge.com into Google, it'll pull it up. And the reason it's spelled goofy is when I went to get the domain thelifeedge.com was taken. So there's only one E in between the, or life and edge. So, but just type it into Google, thelifeedge.com. We're the first search that comes up and yeah, we're at the life edge on, at the life edge on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and T life edge on Twitter.
0: Awesome. And we will be sure to leave all those in the show notes. For those of you that are driving, don't try to be typing stuff in. You'll be, just be able to click it when you get to a safe spot. Okay. So I do have a question for you. And I don't want to hear Sierra talk about morning routines, if that's highly overrated. Not to demean anyone that has a morning routine. I think what you do when you wake up matters. But I also think that mm-hmm. people who are business owners and successful people, what they do in the morning usually aligns with their values and their vision so could you maybe share in a few sentences what you do when you wake up in the morning
1: yep so for the last i don't know four years i've been have the alarm set up every or monday through friday alarm set at 4 30 in the morning or not monday through friday sorry monday through sunday and occasionally I'll move it to like five or five 30 on a Sunday because my wife doesn't like it when I get out of bed every day in the morning and leave her there. But Monday through Sunday, I try and keep a consistent wake up time. And that's just so that my body cycles and my wake up cycles are all consistent and I can function properly throughout the day. First thing I do is brush my teeth, throw on some shoes. I take the dog, I throw on my headphones and I start off with listening to a book or a podcast walking the dog for 30 minutes in the morning so that's number one i come home after that i make a cup coffee and then sit down at the computer i check on the business see what's going on in the business is there any emails that need to be responded to that i can get out before people are awake so i'm not getting a bunch of emails coming in i try and get a whole bunch of that cleared off and then once I get the business taken care of, I pulled up the stock market, my wife's usually waking up, I tell her good morning, and then I start into my trading for a little bit. And then once that's over with, I transition right into whatever work I have for that day for the business. And then about 10, 30, 11, depending on what I have scheduled, that's when I go to the gym and get that part of the life taken care of as well.
0: Awesome. Love it. So you basically get up and get to work, right? And you're working yep. on your health and your wellness. Right away and then getting to work. You know, this is no some 90 minute or two hour routine that you have. You're just getting up and getting to work. And that's what I would encourage people to do who are wondering like, and you get up at 4 30 for more of a health reason and to like to have a good sleep cycle, you probably get great sleep doing that. And I'm sure you go to bed at a reasonable time. But even if you got up at seven, right? Like mm-hmm. you could still do what you do. You just have to make sure that you get enough sleep. The important thing is to have a, have habits and a routine. Like you have a habit, you yeah. do it every morning, right? You walk the dog 30 minutes, or you get an exercise, and then you just get right to work, right? There's no fooling around with, you know, I didn't hear any, anything about checking your phone during that. I'm, I mean, you might, but, you know, you're getting to work, which is the important thing to do. Like get up and get to work, and probably by 10 30, you're doing more than most people have done an entire day.
1: Yeah. I have my notifications on my phone silenced throughout the night until 6 30 in the morning because I don't want to be bothered by, life yet i want to start my day off in in control and the 4 30 in the morning was really i just optimized my sleep i realized that i needed my body operates really well at six and a half hours to seven hours of sleep and i go to bed earlier in the night because i don't get much done during the night and if i'm up late it's normally nothing productive is being done and so i've just really optimize my life through this season of growing the life edge because it does it requires work and i think that's one thing that a lot of people with their dreams and chasing their goals is that a lot of times dreams and goals are dressed in overalls and look like work and a lot of people don't want to do that part
0: yeah yeah dressed in overalls look like you got a couple good quotes today chris i got to tell you so i can't
1: that last one it was not my own though i have borrowed that one so I can't take that one. Well, I
0: appreciate the share. Look, this has been tremendous. I'm glad that you gave us your time today and shared your insight. I would encourage everyone to go over to thelifeedge.com. And I mean, I'm definitely going to do it. Sounds like a great tool and, you know, glad that you're happy and smiling ear to ear. So appreciate you spending time with us today. Everyone, make it an awesome day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the W2 Prison Break show. Don't forget, you can watch all full episodes on our YouTube channel. Definitely check that out and please subscribe. Go to www.w2prisonbreak.com to learn more. If you like this show, please leave us a rating and review so we can continue to support you and the thousands of others planning their W2 Prison Break. Here's to busting you out.